everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Croft Edwards, who is the president of Croft & Company and the author of the book, Leadership Flow. Croft spent five years in active duty and over 18 years in the Army National Guard and Army Reserve. Thanks so much for joining us today, Croft. Great to be here, Matthew. I'm going to kick us off with a quote from your homepage of your website, and it is this, quote, the most difficult person you will ever lead is yourself, end quote. Can you give our listeners a sense of how that quote drives you and drives the work that you do? Well, I, I would love to say that I was just brilliantly thought about it, but that really just kind of came about in conversations and organizations, and I would, I would find myself saying it. And then when we really started looking at what is, what is the leadership flow methodology, it actually kind of came up as the centerpiece because I've always felt like uh, leading ourselves is actually more difficult than leading other people. So if I can get myself out of the way, uh, leading other people is actually somewhat, yeah, somewhat a little bit of an easier task than, than getting me in the way. So, so I've got to get me out of the way to, uh, to be an effective leader. One thing that I've really enjoyed about these opportunities is actually the chance to ask people, you know, how they got so interested in what they were doing. Is there a moment from your career in the armed services that helped drive the place that you are today and the work that you do? Actually, it's even earlier than that. So I was, uh, as a kid, when I was eight, about eight years old, I read Omar Bradley, the, the World War II general's autobiography. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it peaked in me a fundamental question, which I've been exploring ever since, which was, why was he or any leader for that matter successful? So what is this thing called leadership? And more importantly, I think what I've always been interested in is, is the actual, how do you do it? And so there's a lot of books out there that leaders are, you know, they're full of integrity. And that's great, but how do you actually do that? And so that's really the, the moment that I planted this seed and I've been pursuing it ever since. One thing that one thing else that came out from your website that I thought was really interesting is it talks about leadership in terms of rafting down a river. And it says leaders encounter different classes of rapids from the less challenging to the near impossible. How does that visual help guide your approach as a leader and the work that you do to help other leaders? Yeah. So to whether I'm, you know, just in the boat for the first time, or I've been doing it for years, a key piece to leadership is practice. And that which we practice, we become good at. So a lot of what I look at, if I look at successful leaders, whether they're aware of it or not, they've been practicing behaviors which have, which have been effective. And so what we really look at as an organization, we're helping organizations is what are your practices and are they creating the leaders you want to create? And if not, then we have to create new practices. What, what surprises you the most when you get into an organization, when you're asking those initial questions, what are you trying to suss out about those initial things about how they develop leaders or how their current leaders operate? Well, I, I, am, I always go in with this idea that uh, the conversation I have with the senior leader is going to tell me what's possible in the organization. 
because leadership is one of those things. I've been brought into organizations and they say, hey, you know, our supervisors don't know, uh, they, they don't hold people accountable. And so my immediate question is, or my thought is, guess where you, they learned it? Because if you're asking me to teach people to hold them accountable or hold others accountable, you're actually doing exactly what you, you say you want changed, which is you're not holding your team accountable. So it's not your subordinate leaders that need to learn how to hold people accountable. It's actually you need to learn how to hold people accountable. So I almost always end up at the senior leader's uh, uh, desk because he or she determines what conversations happen effectively or ineffectively or missing in the organization. You've been in this field and around certain industries for enough time that you've probably seen some changes happen. What surprised you the most about the field of leadership in your time really focused on it and focused on helping people develop their skills so they can be more effective in this pursuit? You know, one of the things I think that I, we bought this idea that everybody's got to have a voice. And now that, that may be hearsay to some people for me to say this, but, but no, not actually everybody gets a voice. Because leadership is, is sometimes having conversations that people don't want to hear. And so I think one of the, the challenges that a lot of leaders face is they're, they think that everybody has to have a say and everything has to be perfect. No, actually, it's having the conversations with people to teach them that you may not get a say. And that doesn't mean you can't find fulfillment in your work, but just because you wanted it to be a certain way doesn't mean that you're going to get to be it that way. We've had the pleasure of having um, authors on the show, many different authors on the show. And I'm always interested in the process for bringing a book to life, what you've learned along the way, and in some ways, the origin story of what brought that um, to the forefront for you is something that you wanted to do. Can you talk a little bit about the book, how you brought it to life and, and what you learned from that process? Yeah. So I had a one of my major clients, this was in the... Uh... Uh, summer of 2016. Um, literally, I was there on a Friday and then found out on a Monday that there was a corporate-wide edict for management that uh, no more consultants. And, and so literally, I half my year was just wiped off the calendar in a phone call. And my wife said, you know, maybe you should use this time to write a book. And I thought, well, I don't know. And uh, But I all of a sudden had the month of August open. And I thought, you know what? I live on a farm. And, you know, back to the idea of leadership flow, uh, I get a lot of flow from a flow state for me is just out working in my garden, working in the fields, whatever. And so I just decided that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to spend a week and I spent a week and I said, OK, if I was going to write a book, what would I write? And at the end of the week, I realized, you know what, maybe I'm just going to do this. So I started the following Monday morning and I would write uh, usually a chapter or two per morning. And then I'd go spend the afternoon out in the, the fields or the on the farm doing chores. And I would actually write the next day's chapters in my mind. And then I would get up the next morning and write it again. And they actually, the book literally took about say, almost three weeks to write. Um, but that was start to finish. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that 95% uh, of what, in, what is in the book was the original story. And it was just a little bit of editing. And, you know, we tweak this and we tweak that. But, but fundamentally, it just, it, it, it flowed. But the flip side is, though, as I looked back, I had done a lot of writing in my career, back to that idea of practices. And so 
on one hand, you could say, well, you just sat down and wrote it and it took three weeks and it was done. But the flip side was, I, for instance, I have a, a master's in Civil War history. And I did the math one day and I had written over 900 pages for my master's. So I had been practicing for a long time. So the actual writing the book didn't take as long as it may take somebody who hadn't been doing much writing. We've had a few guests that have the armed services as a pivotal part of their background. You would obviously fit into that category. What about your time in the armed services do you think most um, abruptly shapes the leader that you are today and how you've changed as a leader over time? So I think the idea, uh, one of the, the, the definition I use of leadership is management is the authority granted to an individual by the organization. And so leadership then is the authority granted to an individual by their followers. And so as I started off as a, as a young lieutenant, um, I had management authority but I had to earn the leadership authority. And so the irony I found was as I, as I grew as a leader and I grew in rank, the rank became less and less relevant because I realized that at this point, I need to have different conversations. And so if my only recourse is to fall back on my rank and tell people to do it, then I probably haven't had an effective conversation. So that was the biggest thing was that as I got higher or higher in rank, I realized I really didn't need my rank. I just needed to have different conversations. One question that I've enjoyed asking and getting people's different perspective on is, is there a common belief around developing the leaders of tomorrow that you potentially fundamentally disagree with? Uh, I, I think it goes back to, you know, that idea that everybody's correct and everybody has to say, I, I think as a leader, you're always always teaching people what it means to be a leader, either in your actions as a something goes back to that definition of leadership where they say, you know what, that's, I want to do this because I'm committed or did they have to do it because they felt compliant? Hmm. And so I think it's leaders are always creating the, the situation they're creating, the culture they're creating the possibilities by the conversations that they have. What are you the most curious about right now? And it can be something directly in this space or it can be something outside of this space. What has your curiosity going um, in terms of what you want to work on next or what you want to help people with next? I think the, the place that I'm most curious right now is on being present and not worrying about tomorrow, not being somewhere else, but being in this moment right now. And so that's a place where I really spend a lot of time when I'm when I'm on a coaching call with somebody, can I be fully present to them and to this moment so that this moment is getting all of me? And then I'll worry about the next conversation when I get to that next conversation. So I really uh, am curious about just being present. That's an interesting segue into one of the things that we hear from a lot of our listeners who ask about routine or how people set up their day or organize themselves for success. Do you have anything that is something that really works for you or maybe something that you've changed recently that has made a marked improvement in how you organize your day or how you prepare yourself? I, I've spent a lot of practice uh, in the body of literally practicing how I want to show up to conversations. So I have a, a pretty regimented routine to show up as present with my coaches. 
Uh, now, what's interesting, though, it doesn't always mean I do it because there are days when I'm not on and I feel like, oh, gosh, my mind is wandering. So that's when I really have to focus even more on being present. And I do that a lot of times through exercises in the body of relaxing my body, how I sit, uh, where my body is in relation to, to being vertical, forward, back, stuff like that. We got the chance to catch up a little bit before I pressed record on this episode. And we were talking about um, our audience and, and how it's kind of segmented into different groups. And, and one of the groups are individuals who are more early in their career and planning to be leaders in the future. When you look back at yourself and how you've evolved, is there a piece of advice that you'd give your younger self or more generically to individuals who are a little bit earlier in their career that you wish you maybe would have known when you started out? Yeah, for me, it was uh, like, for instance, when I was lieutenant, or actually even back when I was a cadet, I couldn't wait to be a lieutenant. And then I became a lieutenant and I couldn't wait to be a captain and I became a captain. I couldn't wait to be a major. And I think if I, if I went back and could do it again, I would focus on being the best lieutenant I could have been when I was a young lieutenant. So be the leader that you are right now and be present with that and be the best at what you're doing right now, as opposed to worrying about, well, I need a bigger role. I need a you know bigger title, whatever the case may be. Just be the best you are with this. And then that will take care of itself. Another thing that we've talked with a lot of our guests about is risk-taking. You, you hit on it a little bit with regard to the book, meaning you, know, you weren't necessarily an accomplished author before you jumped down that path. How do you approach risk-taking? It seemed like you jumped headfirst into that pretty quickly, when you think about how that has shaped the person you are and the leader you are today, how do you approach risk-taking today? I think I do it with a lot of, I try to do a lot of self-awareness and be very present in my body in the moment. And then through practice, I've learned to trust my intuition. So I would make the assessment and I've learned this, uh, for instance, a lot in coaching. Uh, if if I'm coaching somebody, I listen to my internal voice and 99.9% of the time that voice serves me. And so my practice is saying what I'm actually thinking. And I really work on as a coach, just saying what's showing up and trusting that the conversation, uh, that's what the conversation needs or what the opening for the conversation is calling for. And I find that that tends to be super relevant and uh, more and more effective with the coaching. Well, that's a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Versatility. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I think the, the statement or the, the quote that I use more than any is by Abraham Lincoln. And it is the, the greatest gift a man can give his children is to love their mother. And so I really strive to be a, a husband and father first. And then the other things I assess will take care of themselves. Well, versatility and love is a wonderful spot to close us out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, the good thing about having the name Croft is there's not a lot of us. So first and foremost, if you just look for Croft Edwards anywhere on the internet, your chances are you're going to find me. Uh, on Twitter, LinkedIn, it's at Croft Edwards. 
And then my website is croftandcompany.com, three words. Well, perfect. Well, thank you for all of the wonderful insight and thanks to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead Podcast. Thank you.